I like that music. Y'all like that? I like it. bounce a little bit. So, um, like Eric said, that uh, we met about a year ago in Guatemala, and we were actually we were roommates uh, in the hotel. And then uh, that evening, he said, "Hey, I'm looking at running an Ironman," and I switched roommates. I was like, "I don't need that kind of pressure in my life. Like, I just don't need that energy right now." <laughs> but no, we had a great time serving together and kind of learning a bit. And so, like he said, I've been a little bit all over the country. I was actually born in Connecticut, raised in North Carolina, lived in Oklahoma for a bit, Chicago as well, and now in the sunniest place on earth, where I believe it is absolutely amazing. Yes, yes. I just found out my kids have been Californiaized. What do I mean? The other day, uh, so they ride their bikes before school, and my two of my kids, my two oldest, they said, um, Dad, it's a little chilly outside, so we're not going to ride our bikes. It was 55. I'm like, all right, that's not chilly. Like, uh, two years ago, we were in something called the polar vortex where it was negative 27 degrees in Chicago. So 55 to negative 27, no, come on. Like, so my kids now have California blood. So thank you so much for this beautiful weather, uh, for making that happen. But I want to just begin, and I just want to read a scripture over everyone. So I don't want to, uh, like, don't read your Bible, just close your eyes. You can do your hands or whatnot. I just want to read this scripture over you and allow it to come into your heart. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace, and we thank you for your word. I thank you for this gentle reminder for us to continue to learn to love those who are near us, those who are far from us, and those who are easily forgotten. And so I pray uh, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock, my strength, you are the Christ. Everybody say amen, amen, amen. Uh, if you have a piece of paper, if you're online or whatnot, I want you, or you can even do it when you go home, I want you to draw three circles. So one small circle, one bigger circle, and then one giant circle that encompasses it all. So you can take note in your phone and you can draw it when you get home. So it's not homework. It's not, you won't get an F if you don't draw it right now. So just know that. Know that. And, and it's interesting. So I, I want to start out by this a little bit. I want to show you my family. And the reason why I want to show you my family is because if I do bad, you say I have a beautiful family, and then it all works out good in the end. Um, but that's my wife in the back, uh, Shauna. We have four kids, McKenna, Declan, Zoe, and Naomi. And this is my big, happy family of six people trying to figure out how do we live in a pandemic in Southern California. And let me tell you, the testing of love has been true. Our love has been tested in this space. And, and I think before we can learn how to love others well, we have to learn how to love our families well. Before we can try to love our neighbor or even those who we don't know, we have to learn how do we love. And that's why this is all about when I talk about spheres of love. There's spheres of love that I firmly believe that this text is calling us to live through. So there's one point I want to make in the beginning, and it's this. We are called to love God's family. We are called to love God's 
family. Let me, let me ask, do you love your family? Even pandemic family? <laughs> Even when they get in your nerves family? Even weird Uncle Joe? Hey, and if your name's Joe, I'm not I'm talking about you. Um, do, do, everybody has that crazy cousin, right? That crazy guy? And if you're not raising your hand, you might be that crazy cousin, just to let you know. But we are called to love God's family. Now, oftentimes I think we believe that love is just this, oh, it's this feeling that just, oh, it overwhelms me. Oh, I, I love at first sight, but that's not what love is. That could be gas. <laughs> but love it takes work. Love is intentional. Love is an active way that we have to be. And there are moments where I believe, every, I said my wife and I have been married for 13 years now, and I'm learning how selfish I am. And in my selfishness, she loves me regardless. I, I learn how oftentimes I'm pointed inward, but in my, my, my mistakes and in the time she extends grace and she extends love and we do the same. That, that's what I think love is, that even in the middle of our mess, what did it say? While we were sinners, Christ died for us, not while we were perfect. And so I think there's a, there's a scripture that really points that out. It's Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. It says this, brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted, and then carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I believe that unpacks further. When, in Hebrews 13:1, when it says to keep on loving one another, I believe this verse gives us a framework of how do we do that. But I, I think there are three things that love does. The first thing is this love, everybody say, connects. Come on, say, I grew up in a black church. You got to talk back to me a little bit, all right? Love connects. Oh, there it is. I feel like I'm home right now. It says, when we love one another, we are consistently in their lives and know what's going on. We are consistently in their lives. It's not just someone who you're a Facebook friend with. It's not just someone that you see around the way, but we are consistently in their lives. And somebody was consistently in our lives. They ask us questions. They know what's going on. Is there someone in your life who knows when you are hurting? Is there someone in your life who knows when you are struggling or when things are going on? That's what love does. It intentionally connects. And after love connects, I think it does this other thing is that everybody say love corrects. Love is courageous and does not shy away from difficult conversations. You see, the scripture, what it calls us to, is says to carry one another's burden. It calls us to also, when we get caught in sin, you who are spiritual, what does it say? You got to restore. In order to restore, it takes some hard work. Have you ever tried to like see the process of a car being restored? Oh, sparks are flying. Oh, paint is coming out. Oh, all these things are happening. It's not like, ha ha, restore. It is so beautiful process. No. It's painful. We have the scripture, iron sharpens iron. If you see iron connect, guess what? Sparks fly. And when it flies, when we love, when we connect, when we correct, the correction doesn't feel like condemnation, but it actually feels like care because they are calling the best out of me. We are calling the best out of each other. It says, you who are spiritual should restore. So love connects, love corrects, but realize this. It is important to connect before you correct. 
It's important to say, when, I, when somebody corrects me and I know, oh, I, I see you shaking your head, so I'm going to talk this side a little bit. I see you shaking your head, so I'm going to get excited. When it corrects, it, it's like, okay, I know you know the best for me. I know you want what's best for me. So it doesn't feel like condemnation. It doesn't feel like a slap in the face. It doesn't feel like a call out, but it feels like a call up to something higher. Let me explain what I mean. My son, his name is Declan. And Declan, it, is, it, it has an Irish meaning. Why? Because I have Irish roots in my family, right? No, I don't. <laughs> but it's Irish. And what it means, his name means full of goodness. And so, so, so every time he's acting like an eight-year-old boy, eight boy who's hyped up on Skittles, and I call his name, I'm not saying you're a terrible eight-year-old boy who's hyped up on Skittles, but you're full of goodness, and I'm calling him up to who God has called him to be. You see, when we love and we correct, we call them up. We have to connect before we correct, and then finally, it restores. The goal of correction is never shame. It's to restore, as the scripture says, gently. To restore gently. Love corrects. And when we learn these tools in the midst of God's family, in our own households, but also in the midst of the household of God, we learn to love each other. We can speak truth. We can also carry grace. We can do it all. We can carry each other's burdens. And if someone's caught in sin, they can come to us because they're not afraid of being shamed because they know that as the church, our goal is to restore. And out of love, it doesn't mean that we don't speak truth. It doesn't mean that we, because you guys know if somebody messes up, oh, did y'all see that person acting crazy? Oh, did you see that? No, 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 no. Oh, I love the sirens, guys. I love the sirens. I love it. I love it. My wife was born in New York City, so she heard this all the time growing up. <laughs> but love, re, everybody say restores. Restorative love is what we're doing. And we learn how to do this in the context of our families. We learn how to do this in the context of our churches. We learn how to do this in the context of our life groups. You see, I think sometimes we don't have love present. We just have the absence of conflict. And why do we sometimes have absence of conflict? Because nobody's telling the truth. I love it when I, I said my wife and I have been married 13 years now, and um, I remember it was probably like year six. Um, she says, Jared, you're looking comfortable now. What does she mean? She's like, you're gaining a little bit of weight, Jared. But she was like, she, I know. She's <laughs> real comfortable. But, but, but she lovingly was like, I want you to be my husband for the next 60 years, and I want to make sure that you are around long enough to be able to see our grandchildren get married. But she could have been quiet. She been like, I love when people, like, before I speak, they're like, hey, Jared, check your nose. You got a little booger in it. Because usually what happens is after you speak, someone's like, did y'all see the booger? Like, if, you, if this is on Facebook or YouTube, y'all see the booger in Jared's nose? Crazy. I hope Eric would have told me, though, if I had a booger in my nose. So we, but we love each other enough to know that. So we learn how this, we, we, we learn all of those pieces. And so now the next major point is this. So we're not only called to love God's family, but guess what? We are also called to love the stranger. We are called to love the stranger. Matthew 25, 35, and 36. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So the other week, right after Christmas, my family and I had a chance to, we did experience a little bit of California. We went up to Lake Arrowhead. 
And so it was right after. It was absolutely beautiful. And then guess what happened? There was 15 inches of snow that dropped down. I felt like I was in Chicago again, except for I didn't have an electric snowblower, so that made it a lot harder to get back out. And so I, like, I had bought these chains off Amazon, which when I got up there, the guy who actually showed me which chains I needed, he's like, nah, those are just cute to look at. Those won't actually work. <laughs> and so, so, so like, I didn't know this guy, and um, he, had, he had like this outfit on that looked like he was directing traffic for an airplane or something to that extent, and it said, uh, it said chain guy or something like that. So I was like, you look like you know what you're doing, right, chain? So he, he told me which, so I went to a gas station. He told me which chains to buy, but then guess what he did after that? He actually put them on my car. He actually served me in a way. He put them in my car, showed me how to take them off. Because I, in Chicago, when it snows, the roads are clear pretty much the next day, so we don't have to have chains. But up here, we're trying to get back down the mountain. He cared for me even though I was a stranger and made sure. And so he, he treated me with hospitality. Here, here what is this? When, when we do this, love is kind. God calls us to be hospitable to those we know and don't no, this young man didn't know me. I could have been a burglar. And I'm pretty tall. Like, I'm, I'm 6'5", 200 pounds. <laughs> I, but he showed me kindness, which allowed me to get down the road safely. And he didn't know. Now, the early writers of Hebrews would have recognized this. When they said, when, when, the, when, the, when the text talks about you may be entertaining angels unaware, they would have understood the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 when he served the angels prior to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. They would have recognized that hospitality is important. We must be kind to those we know and we don't know. What is kindness? Kindness is a fruit that reflects God's light and love. Kindness is a fruit that reflects God's light and love. It's a fruit of the Spirit, you all. Kindness. Should we be, what are we known by? The next one. Kindness also leads us to repentance. You see, when we're kind to the stranger, when we're kind to the person, I love what Eric said, who may think differently than us, who may look differently than us, who may vote differently than us, who may act differently than us, it's not our condemnation that leads them to repentance, but it's our kindness that will lead them to repentance. In the same way, God's kindness, it draws us in to realize that we are all sinners in need of grace. It's the kindness that we decide to reflect. It is the kindness that the young man showed me as I was driving down the mountain from Lake Arrowhead that allowed me to get to my destination. It's our kindness that we show to those who are not like us that will eventually lead them into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. What do we want our churches to be known by? It's the kindness. When we practice kindness, we have a greater opportunity to lead people to repentance. Like, underline that. Write that down. Ask yourself, when, what am I known for this pandemic season? Am I known by what I'm, more about what I'm for or more about what I'm against? 
Am I known by God's light and love or am I known by the power that I'm grasping after? In that same way, love is vulnerable. You see, to be hospitable to a stranger is a vulnerable act, specifically in the time when the scripture was written, because you don't know the intentions of the stranger. You don't know the intentions, but, but, but the writer of Hebrews is calling us to be vulnerable, to be kind. In what ways this week can you be vulnerable? In what ways can, can I be challenged to be vulnerable? See, vulnerable, vulnerability is hard because... Everybody likes the perceived airbrush image of who we like to show. What do I mean? Like I could I could have shown a better family picture than I did. Now, as a matter of fact, it took 26 photos to get that one. So let me just say that. <laughs> but we always show the best on Instagram. When you put the filter on, it's like, oh, look at that angle. Oh, mm, oh yeah. Oh, that one. Oh no, the sun was on the wrong side of me. Oh, mm, oh yeah. Oh no, that's that's the image I want to project. Vulnerability says this. Here are my stretch marks. Here are my scars. Here's the parts of me that I don't want you to see because if you saw those, you may not want. I'm reminded of, of Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. What happened in that moment? Like God comes, he's like, Adam. And he, where are you? And so, like, I got a problem with that text because God is all-seeing. God is all-knowing. He knows the hairs of my head. So why is he asking Adam where he is when he already knows where he is? He's giving Adam an opportunity to confess and be vulnerable. You see, in this love, and we love the stranger, the, the vulnerable. And what do he say? You know, he says, I hid because I was naked. I didn't want you to see that I didn't have a six-pack. I didn't want you to see the deepest parts of my life. I didn't want you to see the scars that I'm carrying. I didn't want you to see the pain that is in my voice. I didn't want you to see the pain that I've experienced. So I'm hiding. Vulnerability allows us to come out of hiding. Vulnerability also allows others to come out of the sin that they're in, and we can meet them with kindness. Those who we don't know. Those who are the strangers. This, this fear, you guys, is all about the people that we don't know. We must do this. And finally, we are called to love, everybody say, the least of these. The least of these. James 1.27 says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, the world wants us to be divided. The world wants us to look for our own, to, to look to prop up our own power as opposed to serving others. But, but I love the beautiful examples that even Eric shared, shared earlier today about how the church stepped up and helped a pastor in a difficult part of the world meet rent. That is caring and loving for those who find themselves in difficult situations. And this is what good religion is. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Look at their orphans and widows 
in their, I'm going to say it one more time, to look after orphans, widows, in their distress. Who are the orphans and widows in your sphere of influence? Or maybe it's not an orphan or widow. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's a former co-worker who finds themselves in distress. We're called to love them. You know, just imagine you find out one of your best friends voted for somebody different. Ooh, that's, that's, ooh, that's, that's cuss words right there. Because I done heard the saints cussing over this season, so... I heard it. You heard it, too. Oh, I got one witness in here. Any more? Any more? Y'all going to tell the truth or not? What does the church know? I I love to, to think of it this way. Everything we do puts a, a, a resume dot on the church. Everything. So when, we, when you go to apply for a job, you, you have your resume some people tell the truth. Some people embellish a little bit. Some people embellish a lot, and I hope they don't get the job because you'll get fired like two weeks later when they find out you can't do it. But everything we do, we're known for something. You see, love does this. And this is the outer sphere. It's, it's so easy, I think, to forget about this last sphere. The church and the family of God, we can remember them. We see them every week. We're in, regular, we're in regular communication with them, good rhythms. Maybe they're in your life groups. Maybe it is someone in your actual blood family. Second sphere, those who are strangers. We may come in contact with them, but we don't know them. But then we have an outer rung where it is difficult, I believe. It's so easy to forget. But love compels us to move, to move towards those who are suffering and to move towards those who are forgotten. It's the pastors that find themselves in the 1040 window. It's, it's people who are maybe within five to eight miles of this church. It, it's so easy to forget about those who are suffering when it doesn't impact us directly. It's so easy, but, but, but I love when I saw the way that Jesus moves throughout Scripture. One of the things it talks about is that it, it talks about him having compassion. And I love, I heard a story. How, how many, I, I love the story I heard. I heard that you guys are now sponsoring kids in Guatemala. I, I love to hear that the church is actively looking and moving towards those who are suffering and forgotten. You see, church doesn't, is not just about a Sunday morning experience, but it's about a lived experience from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. Who are we known when we leave this space? What are we known by? By our actions. Are we known by what we're against or what we're for? Are we known by moving towards those who are suffering and forgotten or moving away from them because I don't know if I want to mess with them? Love compels us. It talked about when Jesus was moved with compassion, like the, the, the Greek word for compassion in that space, it, it literally means that he was sick to his stomach when he saw the suffering. Like, sick to his stomach. Like, when we see the suffering of others, do, do we get sick to our stomach? Or do we say, ah, they should have made a couple different decisions and they wouldn't be in that space. 
You see, Jesus never did that. He, he moved towards those who society said stay away from. He moved towards literally in the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. He leapt out of the comfort of heaven and took on human flesh. And he showed us how to love. He showed us how to love one of his good friends, Peter, who I, I think I'm more like Peter than Jesus most days who consistently messed up, like Peter even rebuked Jesus in some moments, who, who, who always find himself with his foot in his mouth, who always find himself in the wrong space. But Jesus still came towards him while he was grilling fish on the beach. And he was like, do you love me? After he denied him three times, Jesus, guess what? In the, in the communion moment, he finds himself with 11 guys, 12 guys around his table, one of them is about to have him killed, but what does he do? He says, I'm still going to invite you into this space. I'm like, thank goodness that was Jesus because I couldn't have done it. Like if I knew somebody was at my table and they were going to try to get me arrested, ooh, no, oh, you got a problem's coming, trying to tell you. But Jesus was like, no. I am still going to serve you. Jesus took two people. He took a tax collector and a zealot, and he somehow made them, to, made them come together to complete a mission that is bigger than themselves. What is a tax collector and a zealot? It will be similar to having like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell come together. And like, hey, let's break bread and really figure out what. That ain't going to happen! <laughs> Sorry to yell, but, you know, this is not. But they were so far apart. But Jesus brought them together, and his love compelled them to move towards each other. And that's the love that I pray, like those flames that are here, is going to burn with inside of you. That the flame of love is going to compel each and every one of us to move to those who look, act, think differently, move closer to those who are in my family, and also move to those who are strangers. It'll move us through all of those spheres because when you look at it, once you can break all the walls of those spheres, that is what encompasses God's true love. It's active, it's intentional, it's powerful. It's potent. It's not just a feeling. Men and women of God, we are called to love. We are called to burn with the passion to move towards those in society that society has deemed impossible to reach to remember those who are in prison, to remember those who, we find, who might find themselves in, in precarious predicaments, and yet God is like, move towards that person. Now, as we close, and when you're home, if you're online or when you get home, and you draw those three circles, here's what I want to challenge you to do is put a name or names of people in each one of those spheres that you know you'll need help loving. So not the easy person. 
But who, who in your family, you're like, oh, I don't even want to see them right now. Who in your family were you like, oh, I'm glad that maybe we're quarantining for Thanksgiving because I don't got to see them now. I think too many of y'all laugh because you might have thought of somebody's name right then. It's okay. I'm in California. All my family's East Coast. So, ha <laughs> But who, who in that first sphere is like, ah, maybe it's going to look like repenting to them because of actions we did towards them, but to keep on loving well. The second sphere, who's someone that maybe you, 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 you don't know, but you know of them, but you don't really know them. And you know, you know their story enough to know that they're not, they're not in relationship with Christ. They need to see light and love and put their name down in that second story. And then finally, the least of these, those are easy to forget. Maybe it's a name. Maybe it's a type of person. Maybe it's a person who voted a certain way. You're going to put, oh, they far off. They don't know God because they voted this way. Like this. But move towards them. Love calls us. Remember when I was in college, there's an artist named Music Soul Child, and I'm not going to sing his song. But he wrote a song called Love. He said, so many things i got to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how. I'm a possibility to look at a different love. So I'm not going to sing it. Copyright. Or I would have sung it if it wasn't for copyright infringement, you know. But it's what the world needs. And not this cheap love that just doesn't speak when things, it, it, not a cheap love that is just like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. But it's no, I'm going to say this, I'm going to rock the boat, and I'm going to stay with you in the boat. But the world needs this. The world needs this. And so maybe you're here as I close. And you've identified the three spheres, those in your family, those who are strangers, those who are easily forgotten. I want to ask a question, like, which one is hardest for you? Which sphere to love in? And I'm going to pray over all of them, but what I want to invite you to do is you can just, just, just point your finger up real quickly. You don't have to raise your hand high. You can if you want. But as I pray over our ability to love our families and the family of God, strangers, and also those easily forgotten. If one of those, you're like, ah, I need the prayer for that one, just quickly raise your hand. So let us pray. God, I thank you for just showing your sacrifice in your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that you teach us how to love our families and the family of God well. Uh, even in the midst of broken relationships, oh God, I pray that we will move towards those, Lord. And every single person who has raised their hand, I pray that you give them the courage and the words to say, maybe there needs to be some repentance, maybe there needs to be some bridge building, but whatever it is, oh Lord, I pray that you give them strength to love their family wells. Lord, the next fear, those who are strangers, Lord, if, they, if we find ourselves with an inability to love them well, oh God, I pray that you will just prick our hearts, Lord, and, and, and change our eyes and allow us to see them the way that you have seen them, oh Lord, and that we can move effectively towards them, oh God. And Lord, that final circle, those who are easily forgotten, those who may be in other countries, those who could even be in our same city, but we just don't, for, we just don't remember them, oh Lord. Give us your light and love. Give us your grace and power to be able to love them well because that's the mark of a disciple. It's to love and to keep on loving and to keep on carrying truth and grace. And we can do this in the power of your name. In Jesus' name, let everybody say 
Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks, Jared.